Hello and welcome to this unprecedented for me streak of recording things. Back to the normal music today and I'm going all crazy. It is only 9.15pm. So I'm like four hours ahead of normal. I haven't had dinner yet, just finished having mass. And I thought, you know, this is a better time to do this before I have my dinner, have a glass of wine, and then don't want to do anything for a while. Not that, like, wine makes me incapacitated, but just, it's hard to get motivated when you have had dinner and you're reading a book. And that's why it's usually after midnight, because I'm like, oh, I want to do that before I go to bed. But today I didn't. So, I'm not going to play any songs today. Um... Partly because I don't want to listen to the songs that I want to talk about. Um, and that was, though interesting, I hope it worked out the last episode to have the intersp- the Flogging Molly song interspliced in there. Maybe just spliced is enough to say. Interspliced is probably unnecessary to say. But uh, that was interesting, but not worth it this time. But I do want to talk about what involves music. So, one of my favorite parts of Sunday, of course, after spiritual things, but sort of my um, relaxing on Sunday evening kind of thing. There's, there's a radio show called Tumbleweeds All the Way Down. It's on KOSU. Uh, plays at 8 p.m. on Sunday night, and it's hosted by this super eccentric guy named Jack Fowler, who his introductions just crack me up every time, and his outro, too. He always says, he's recording from the Spy Studios from Ferris O'Brien's house, and Ferris is out paving a skating rink with marbles, makes up some inane thing, and... I think it's hilarious, and I get to hear music that I never would hear otherwise, because he plays songs mostly you've never heard of, though not entirely, it's not just totally eccentric music, Um, but it is things that I probably wouldn't normally encounter, plus the host makes me laugh, so I enjoy it. Uh, But this last Sunday night, well, two weeks ago, this previous Sunday, so eight days ago now, uh, nine days ago, he did a... It was sort of his first uh, coronavirus episode, if you will. So all the songs were about being sick. Uh, But this week, all of the songs were about um, the sort of uplifting songs. Like to get us, you know, like I Will Survive and um, things like that. You know, happy happy feeling songs, joyful songs, high energy songs. Um, They don't worry, be happy. And, you know, he called it at one point the Good Vibes Radio Show. And, you know, kind of did the stereotypical you know, sending good vibes sort of situation. And I'm going to talk about that. Um, that was one example of that radio show. It, it was fun to listen to. I did listen to the whole thing. Um, so I'm not totally uh, critiquing it, obviously, and we'll get more to that. Uh, but also sort of in the same good vibes kind of vein, but more annoying. Uh, someone told me, though thankfully I didn't see it, that a bunch of rich people got together and sang that Imagine song, That rather nihilistic, you know, imagine there is no heaven, that one. Um, And someone posted it, pointing out, saying, hey, great song, everybody. Um, All of you are millionaires. You giving any money to help people or just, you know, sitting in your big mansions? I don't know. Maybe some of them are. Not sure. Um, But there is something. I think that's so annoying because it's like, oh, doesn't this feel good? But all of us know that it pretty much only feels good. That's the point of it. Um, you know, sidebar, especially songs like that, they, they, they're they meant to feel good. But then you're like, well, that's kind of depressing after all. It's, you know, imagine that there's no heaven to hell. There's no countries. It's just, you know, no one has identity. There's nothing to know. 
further purpose in life but just sort of hang out and you know be cool together that's kind of a weak premise right i mean i hope there's more than that because otherwise get me out of here uh so it's a dumb song i think i get it i get people like it it's you know our troubles often seem to be caused by countries and religion i understand that um it's it's a well-written song fine but it's one of those things if you think about it you're like wait what i no i don't like that at all um but that's just one example of celebrities come i hope i really hope they're giving money doing more than just singing songs in their mansions and then going about their lives i really hope they are um because otherwise that would be really annoying uh okay enough about that but the idea of you know feel good music good vibes you know sending you my thoughts and prayers kind of is in this category too um it has an effect of making us feel good for the moment but it doesn't do a whole lot and before you look ahead of me, I'm not just going to end on, and good vibes are stupid. That's not where I'm going with this. It's related to that, but it's it's not, that's not my ending point. Uh, good vibes do do something, but not what they're usually intended to do. Uh, they do something, if you think about it, if you're ready to do something with them, rather. Good vibes, I hate using that, but you know what I mean, uh, can be a tool if used properly. So I recently read a sermon from St. Cardinal Newman. Uh, I'm rather fond of Newman. You may have heard of him. Um, maybe, I hope, if you haven't, look him up. He's kind of awesome. He's one of those guys who writes lots of big, thick books when you read it, like, oh, wow, he's actually approachable and readable and super interesting. Anyways, he has this one about the proper use of religious feeling. And he's... Um, referencing the Protestant, uh, he's he's an Anglican, he's an Anglican, but he's a, he's in the eighteen hundreds, reflecting on what would be sort of an evangelical trend in the Church of England, uh, which we would recognize today as uh, sort of habits of, sort of non-denominational Protestantism. Of they wouldn't have had praise and worship in anything like the same way, but they did have a similar mentality that. Uh, it, it was the emotional high. It was the the loving Jesus and the and the the living the faith was so exciting, and his Newman's angle on that is that yes, that is good actually. It, but it needs to have a step two. That's step one. I mean, we need to get motivated. We need to get pumped up for things to get stuff done. We need to be excited about what we have to do. You know, think about think about your kids if they. Uh, need to do their chores, and they're like, oh, but if you make a game of it, and they're excited, like, oh, hey, we're playing a game, so, and then things get done, right, there's this motivation there, or, well, graduation's a bit awkward now, but, you know, if you're in your last semester of school, and, you know, you got it, you're like, you, you, you imagine post-graduation, and that's your motivation for writing that stupid paper you don't want to do, but you get, you get pumped up for graduation, and then you turn that energy into action so your your religious feelings newman calls it or um your optimism your good vibes your whatever you want to call it your happy feelings those have to translate into concrete tangible action that's their value if you have just you feel good about things and you sit around and just kind of feel good about things that is pointless and worthless and what happens actually 
is there's a disillusionment and a sense of failure that comes with it. If you get hyped up on things and, oh, isn't this great, and we're going to save the world, da-da-da-da, but then you don't follow through with it, is it, you know, it felt like things were going to change because, you know, this emotion was so high, and then there's a, oh, but nothing actually happened. Yeah, because you didn't do anything with it. You just felt good, and then, but good feelings don't accomplish anything. Unless they are the motivation, the fuel, the propellant, the, the, the force behind doing other stuff. That's the point of it. And that's, that's the step that so often gets missed. So I, I wanna, what I want to say is, in this time, of course we need to feel good about things. We have a lot of things to feel bad about. I get that. So, fine. Watch puppy videos and, you know, whatever makes you laugh. Okay. So long as it's not immoral. But then let that move on to something else. You know, suppose you're feeling pretty, pretty terrible. And maybe, you know, even just go for a walk. Or God forbid, pray. Um, and then you kind of get that uplift and you feel better. Awesome. Excellent. It's a gift. Wonderful. Um, but then get on with your housework or your chores or read a book or something like that. Don't let it just be a high and then come back down with nothing to show for it. That's where we get into trouble. That's where we get uh, disillusioned and, and, you know, this... this recurring sense of failure because we we think oh well what's the point of being happy anymore then because it doesn't do anything so whenever we have these good which i which i hope as i said the other day uh, there are things to be sad and depressed about um but there are also we need look need to look for things to be joyful about because they are out there they are god is working there are blessings even if we have to work a little harder to find them and when we do find them rejoice in them be thankful for them enjoy them uh, but then be sure that fire gets turned into motion. You know, imagine you have a, a, a tank of fuel and you can either pour it on the ground and watch it burn. And it sure is exciting and bright and hot and all that kind of stuff. But then guess what? It all burns up. The fire goes out and literally nothing happened. You know, nothing is different than it was before. Or you put that fuel into an en- into a, you know a tank taken to an engine and you can drive. No, don't drive very much these days, of course. But you know what I mean, right? The fuel used properly, put to its proper end, actually does something. It gets us somewhere. It accomplishes something. It does some work. That's what good feelings, you know, religious highs, um, good vibes, optimism is supposed to do. It's the it's the the stepping off point. For better things happening, it's not an end in itself. It's not. It's, it doesn't have its own purpose, right? Your car is meant to be driven, or you know, your shoes are meant to be worn so you can walk, not just to prop your feet up. We're supposed to do something with it. So, um, if you listen to music that you enjoy, or you know, do anything that you enjoy in these times, and it gives you that uplifted, elated, you know, feeling of freedom, optimism, whatever, great. Praise God for that. But then move forward with it. Does it doesn't mean like, you know, this isn't to make a machine out of, you don't, you know, input joy, out, output work, input joy, output work. It's not like that. But in a way, we do need to be aware that it's not also about input joy, do nothing, input joy, do nothing. Because that's ends up being just sad in the end. Um, so let's be aware of what we're doing. Um, maybe it's odd to think about that. Maybe you've never had that kind of, um, intellectual activity about the way you feel. Um, but once you kind of get in the habit of it, 
it, it can go very well. Um, and it's something that's, in, in the end, very natural. That's how we're supposed to work. Um, but it's just that sort of modern society has taught us that we, we get pleasure, we get happiness for its own sake, and that's the point. No. You know, it's just like taking a nap. You take a nap, and, and taking a nap is great, uh, but you take a nap so that you can get up and, and get back to life. You don't take a nap so you can t- so you can take a nap again. You know, a nap is not for its own sake. A nap is for you're sleeping at night is to be rested for the next day, not to just keep sleeping more, right? So, think of it that way. Um, whenever you do find happiness in these times, praise God for it. Uh, but then move on from it and go to go to step two. Go to step three. Uh, don't just let it stay at step one. Okay, enough about that. I did want to give one more thought on. If you remember from a few days ago, uh, the Greek hospitality episode, um, I've been reading more and I wanted to, I guess, update that idea. So um, I mentioned that you know, in, in the Iliad and the Odyssey, people go places and, and the, the guests always, or the host rather, always invites them into a place of honor, uh, gives them food and drink, uh, entertains them, so mostly without question, and then uh, asks eventually hey you know what do you need what are you here for all that sort of stuff but the the hospitality is just automatic and that was the part that impressed me but then later odysseus the the hero of the of the odyssey they took i understood that the the in this literary context they took hospitality real seriously and this is how seriously so at one point he goes to an island he you know lands a ship and his men there and then they go up to, and they find this cave where a Cyclops lives. And they go into his cave, eat some of his food, offer some of it in, in a fire to the gods, and are planning to steal his sheep. And then he comes back and traps them in the cave and is like, basically, what the hell are you guys doing here? And rather than saying, oh, sorry, Mr. Cyclops is going to kill us all, uh, we'll leave now. Odysseus literally says, hey man, where's our gifts that you owe us? We're here, you're supposed to give us things. And the Cyclops is basically like, uh, pardon me, you're in my house, here's my gift to you, I'll eat two of your men, and he does that. And Odysseus is like, oh crap. And then even even at the end, they, of course, because he's the hero, they um, make some weapons out of things they find in the back of his cave, must be a really big cave apparently, um, and they stab him and try and kill him to get out of there. And even as they're escaping from a place they shouldn't have been anyways, he's like yelling at him, like, you didn't offer us hospitality, and so I'm poking your one eye out because you're terrible to us. You didn't give us gifts. It's like, whoa, man. You just showed up in this guy's house, unannounced, uninvited, ate his food, and then yelled at him for not being happy that you were there to also steal his sheep, which they did in the end. That is a serious expectation of hospitality, that you can show up and demand things and stab someone in the face if they don't offer you hospitality. I'm not proposing that. That's a little bit much. That's There's something different there. Uh, you know, Odysseus was uh, super fond of, himself, fond of himself, and he sort of justified it by saying, well, I am the great Odysseus, and so you, off, you owe me gifts when I come to your house. Uh, that part I'm not affirming. Uh, the the great desire to be hospitable uh, and um, you know, give of our give of our the good things we have in our home, awesome, affirming that. But um, the part that Odysseus, you know, where he is a, 
I um a prideful guest and sees nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's wrong. Don't show up at people's house and go, well, I'd like the best seat at table, please. Uh, no, the Lord has very things to say very much against that. Uh, so there's a very big difference. Wanted to clarify in case you were to read the read these things I'm talking about and go, what the hell's Father talking about? The hospitality in the right circumstance, that's a cool ideal. Um, but the haughtiness and the pride of self of how great I am, therefore I deserve your hospitality, not the same thing. Don't do that part. Okay, enough about secular songs and Greek literature. Have a good evening, and talk to you later. Bye.